welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name's Clint. Hey, I'm Tony. Welcome back. Uh, this week, we want to, uh, for those of you who saw our Bitcoin episode a couple months back, I'll link it in the description. How many months do you reckon that was? Five? That was in the spring. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I had known uh, Andrew from that podcast, uh, from our touches in the philosophy world. And I was starting to hear more about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in this whole world. And I can't tell if it's because of my friendship with you or what, but it just seems like even more now, it's like this growing trend in finance and it's making the news a lot more. Mm-hmm. So we just, I guess what I wanted to do a, a follow-up to that episode or maybe like a update, what we've learned, yeah, uh, what we're finding interesting. Uh, and for those that are like, dude, now, now you're getting out of hand. Like, what is, what's this podcast doing? You're talking about theology and philosophy. Well, for me, I mean, I just find some of the economic stuff interesting, and maybe we'll talk more about some of the uh, philosophical underpinnings of economics in other episodes. Mm-hmm. But even just the fundamental question of what is money, yeah, uh, has a lot of interest to me, and and certainly touches on issues of like stewardship, how to, we're going to talk about that a bit of what's wise and how to handle money, particularly of those coming from, I mean, you care about that, whoever you are, but there's a special gravitas if you're like stewarding God's money and like in the kingdom of God or something, if you're of the Christian perspective. So, yeah. Yeah. The episode that we did, it's so interesting, man, how time works. That was like five months ago. And I remember in that conversation, not completely tracking with everything, sure. but like trying to. And I think one of the questions I was asking is like, okay, I keep hearing this word blockchain. What is blockchain? And uh, it's crazy five months later, how far down the rabbit hole I've ended up tumbling. But um, I think what did it for me was listening to Jordan Peterson did an episode on, you guys know, I mention him all the time, but I listened to his podcast and he did an episode a while ago with some Bitcoin boys talking all about Bitcoin. I was like, oh, I'll have a listen to this. That's weird that Jordan would want to talk about it. Yeah. And that's when it really started to click for me, not just the what is it, but like why is it significant mm-hmm. uh, from a philosophical perspective. So Yeah. And you've been following some of the like market fluctuations with things like GameStop and sure. AMC and if and if you've looked at the news at all, like there's you know, there um how would you describe it? Just the stock prices the, were really volatile and a lot of people made a lot of money on these things. Yeah. It's just interesting to see uh, how different decisions from centralized governmental um, governing bodies can influence the market. And so you were tracking that story. I think this is... The- this This is what led me to it, was I, I'm deep into the GameStop saga, like yeah. figuring out what happened in January. Um, if you don't know, it's a whole thing, but long story short, um, faith in the U S stock markets is at an all time low, like confidence in, in its transparency and legitimacy and all of that is very low, especially with investors of our generation, young people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what led me to start to explore crypto and, uh, cryptocurrency of which Bitcoin is, is one, one. Yes. Um, Man, I actually don't know if we can do this in 30 minutes. I'm just thinking about how much I want to talk about. 
Maybe maybe just part one. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you so much. <laughs> because we say that this is like a learning podcast. It's not a teaching podcast. And mm -hmm. so I think I'm always most excited to talk when it's about something that I'm learning about. And yeah, this yeah. is something that I'm right in the thick of learning about. So, Well, okay, how about this? Because you're right, there's a lot to... You're like, okay, back to 1971. Yeah. No, but um, why should someone... Like right now, we've just mentioned that you have this quirky fascination with stock market stuff. But why would the av average listener yeah. want to care about cryptocurrency? Yeah. So one of the first questions that you ask when someone or people ask when you start talking about Bitcoin is, what is Bitcoin? Good question. An interesting question in response is, what is money? What is fiat? What is the dollar bill? The fiat. You're saying fiat currency, meaning... <clears throat> We take it by, by decree. Yes. It, it's money issued by decree because the government says this is a United States dollar, that bill, that. Mm -hmm. What is that? Okay, well, it's a piece of papery material thing. Is it redeemable for anything? Um, goods well, and services? Goods and services, it's redeemable for. But That's how it, I've been using it. Right. That's okay. really all I've been using it for. Um, but when you go back to like, how did we get this dollar? Like, have we always had just dollars or... You know, the U.S. hasn't been around forever. So before dollars, what were we transacting in? And for a long time, um, gold was the thing. For thousands of years, gold has been the thing. Fashioned into the shape of a coin? Yeah, I would think so. For okay. divisibility and portability. And yeah. And the whole thing probably wasn't gold. Like maybe gold plated or... Well, I don't know. I think this was some of the problem with gold. Ah. Um, that Remember scales? People would have people little... Would, you'd weigh it. You'd weigh it out. It might look like gold, but does it weigh what gold weighs? Right. Yeah, so there's these reasons that gold became money. There are these properties that we tend to value in using something as currency. It needs to be divisible, recognizable, portable, durable, and scarce. It needs to be all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, and gold is a lot of those things. Because if you think of all the things that, I mean, I don't know if this is actually ever done, but maybe a culture at one point used seashells. Yeah, I'm sure they did. As their currency, like if I had five seashells, here you go, and you oh, give me a piece yeah, of man, steak. I want those. I'll give you this piece of chicken. But like they're all, they're all wonky and look different. Yeah, some of them are chipped. Like, does yeah. this still count? How do you or, value those? So, finding <laughs> a like an element on the periodic table, mm -hmm. which is stable. Yep. Um, there's not much of it. It's scarce. It's scarce. Uh, the big downside is it's heavy, but um, yep. it's so scarce that you don't need much of it to connote some value. Yeah, and there's some value that sort of is baked in given what it took to get it out of the ground, right? Like somebody's had to expend energy to go and get this thing, gold. Mm -hmm. um, now, the issue with gold is it's not very portable, for one. It's heavy, it's, and if you want to move a lot of it, it's tough. So it's not great for transacting in at, at large scales. Um, like you have to expend perhaps some gold to pay people to move your gold. Right. right. So that's annoying. <laughs> right, right, right. So we joked a second ago about going back to 1971. But before 1971, the US dollar was backed by gold. There were gold. It was redeemable for gold. So at a certain point, that's crazy. it becomes yeah. too, too cumbersome for everybody to be moving their gold around and keeping it in a wallet. And no, yeah. you're going to entrust, you'll put it in a vault somewhere. There's a custodian, someone who you trust to take care of the gold. And then they'll issue IOUs on the gold, what we call dollars, little bills that are redeemable for that gold. Mm -hmm. And that was the case up until 1971. 
1971, we came off the gold standard, meaning US dollars were no longer redeemable for any certain amount of gold. But by then, they had just been used. No one's doing the gold thing anyway. No one's doing that. Yeah, we think the gold is in a reserve somewhere, but these dollars are being passed around. But up until then, it was still faithfully tracked or well, no okay no 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 there was well, maybe um, that's part of the reason like there was money well this is what happened there was money printing taking place and some ultimately a bunch of nations entrusted the u.s to to hold their gold and take care of it and at a certain point there was a run on gold germany said mm, i feel like you're printing a lot of money i think i'd like to redeem our gold back and take it back and i don't remember whether they succeeded in that or not but either way that was the catalyst for them to shut it down and say, eh, no more gold rede redemptions. Um, it's not redeemable for gold anymore. Yeah. It's just a US dollar. Okay, so that's that's interesting. Most of us, who we've grown up just with dollars. That's all we know. We never did the redeeming for gold thing, mm -hmm. just dollars. But the... And the, then so in that... Um, <clears throat> is this right to say that at that point then, the value is much more relativistic... It's like almost um, there. There was like this collective consciousness that I don't know what stuff cost at 1971. Well, let's just say a gallon of milk was a dollar. Yeah. So, well, if a gallon of milk is a dollar, and it took this amount of effort to do a gallon of milk, then a, a red chair should yeah. be twenty bucks yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. And so there was this. Everything's compared to everything else in a free market system, free exchanges, and it's worth what people are willing to pay. The price discovery happens. And yeah. so prices just kind of sort themselves out, and we have these bills that we use to buy stuff. Yep. All right, big deal. Cool. Yeah. Now, one issue... I, I'm so glad I don't have to carry gold. Yeah, it's awesome. It's way more convenient than gold. One issue, though, with paper money is um, it breaks down. It's like the paper gets torn or it gets ripped, and mm. it ends up in the gutter or destroyed. I've had that experience. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, we can't have people just handing scraps to each other and saying, trust me, it's a dollar. I feel like I've lost some. <clears throat> I've yeah. misplaced it. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you have, man. You've misplaced your wedding ring multiple times. Sure, you've misplaced a dollar or two. Um, so we need to print some more to make up for the loss that we're incurring mm -hmm. um, through destruction. It's not as durable as gold, say. Um, which is nice in theory, but in practice, it seems that no... Um, and wait, just real quick. This and we're we're far back enough to where uh, is there no computers? Seventy one, like of the sort that would do a lot of financial tracking. There's no online. There's no, no certainly none of that. No internet. None of. So it really was like people are using bills like mad dogs. Yeah, yeah, and checks. Maybe. Yeah, they're using bills and checks. And like you think back then, stock market. Those are actual paper certificates that move from building to building. Yes, you know. Um, digital age has blown all of that out uh and so so printing yeah the issue is that the temptation to overprint has shown itself to be irresistible to anybody who has access to the printer it's like if you had a if you had a money printer you, wouldn't you be really tempted to just print it and use uh, it when there's no recompense yeah like you would go to jail for a very long time for being found to be <clears throat> guilty of counterfeiting right mm -hmm. So, but the but the what is it? What governing body? The central bank. Well, this is the thing. Feder the, the federal federal Reserve? Reserve is not a government entity. It's a private bank. It says federal in it. It's not. It says reserve. They have no reserves. So it's not federal. They don't have reserves. <laughs> but they are the ones who are printing money. And by printing money these days, what we mean is 
entering a value in a ledger somewhere. They're not, we don't actually mean they're printing dollar dollar bills and delivering they're still doing to that people. to make up for That's the wear happening. and tear yeah yeah we, we get new bills and we but get now, new coins like my point with the digital age now all of that issue is made, put online basically yep. and in computers and i think even the temptation there is probably even stronger it's just someone could go in and just backspace it's and changing a cell in excel like just indicating oh, the banks have more reserves now you know and change the value um so obviously that creates issues like arbitrary expansion of the money supply um, leads to inflation. You've all heard about inflation. The idea that over time prices go up on average for a long time. It's been said like 2% a year. Mm -hmm. That's been the target that they've been aiming for. I think Ben Bernanke started aiming for that back in after the 2008 thing. Um, and it has just sort of been accepted like, yeah, inflation's like at 2%, so you better put your money in the stock market so you can outperform inflation. Better make sure you get a cost of living wage increase every year so you can keep up with it. Um, and this is this is just what happens in an economy where um, demand stays the same, but supply increases. So imagine that, let's scale it down. Imagining we're dealing with an economy that is like, um, there's a thousand total dollars in circulation yeah. in the whole economy. And one of the items that people will buy is, let's say the Mona Lisa is in there and it's valued at uh, $50. The total economy is 1000 There's this thing, the Mona Lisa, we've, through the free market actions, have determined that's worth about $50. Um, if you suddenly increase the money supply to 2000 the value of the Mona Lisa, in terms of how much we as humans value it in proportion to the total money supply, it doesn't change. But now there's just more money, so Mona Lisa is now worth a hundred bucks, mm. and that's that's what's happening with inflation. So that has been happening for a long time. Fascinating website, WTF happened in 1971.com. Go have a look at that. It has all kinds of metrics and charts to show you mm. how much things changed after we went off the gold standard in 1971, and we are now what 50 years into this wild fiat experiment. Yeah. And last year, um, we saw something that's pretty unprecedented in terms of we had the, the pandemic, which caused Main Street to shut down. So businesses and mm -hmm. uh, restaurants, all of that shut down, coupled with um, an enormous stimulus policy uh, to where more than 25% of all US dollars were printed last year, which is wild when you think about how wow. long US dollars have been around that a quarter of them were printed last year. That's amazing. Um, and we are now beginning to see the trickle effects of that increased money supply, coupled yeah. with supply issues because of the, the pandemic as well. You've probably seen in your own life prices going up this year. Um, the CPI, Consumer Price Index, uh, just came out for October. And that marked, I think, the sixth month in a row with inflation above 5% in the CPI, which is the highest it's been since 1990, highest in 30 years that we've seen inflation. Okay, that's a lot of jibber-jabber about inflation. What? Why does that relate to Bitcoin or No, well, now you just have everybody frightened. They're like, oh, no, am I, I'm losing value in my money. Yes, you are. That's a real issue. If you do nothing with your money, if you put it in a bank account and just leave it there, it will erode at an unprecedented rate over the next decade. So what can you do? What do you do? What do you do to hedge against inflation? Um, and this is where crypto is some mysterious option. figure created <clears throat> yeah. Bitcoin. 
Yeah. Now, my wife had a lot of questions about him. About Satoshi. Yeah. yeah is he making a lot of money <laughs> off this? And is it a big well, scam? And he hasn't touched his Bitcoin in like 14 years. It's Everyone can see it. That's the thing about the blockchain. They know that it's his wallet? How yeah, you there's, know? there's a, they call it the Satoshi lockup, I think. It's oh, just like okay. a ton of Bitcoin that's just chilling there and hasn't moved or been transacted with in a long time. Um, so how does this, how does crypto solve the inflation problem? Well, or Bitcoin, let's say Bitcoin. My, my, just my amateur explanation is just the fact that there can't be any more Bitcoin created solves the problem immediately. Or that's yeah. the clearest difference. Yeah. You can create more US <laughs> dollars by just changing numbers on an Excel sheet. That's kind of yep. cynical, but it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with Bitcoin, I think there will only ever be, is it just flat 21 million Bitcoin? Yep. So that's the number of Bitcoin and it'll never, there'll never be more than that. Yep. And that is, that is baked into it from the get go. Um, in a way that nobody has control over. Nobody can change. There's nobody who's running Bitcoin. You know, nobody's mm -hmm. like in charge of it. It's That's why you may have heard the term decentralized. It's decentralized, right? As opposed to a central bank. Mm -hmm. um, cryptocurrency is decentralized. Meaning, here's here's the simplest way I think I can explain blockchain technology. And if someone's listening and I really butcher this, give me a better way to explain it. But for the layperson or somebody who's like new to crypto, they're like, I don't really get what it is. Here's what's going on. You've got a, you've got the internet, so a worldwide network of computers or nodes who are all maintaining in real time this ledger, uh, record, uh, a record of transactions. That's what a ledger is. Mm -hmm. uh, information about where the money is, who owns what, and, and where it's going. And that's all being maintained in real time and then verified by all the network participants. So you don't have to trust that somebody's got the ledger accurate. It's like they're all verifying and comparing and then it gets confirmed and they move on to the next block. So every 10 minutes, there's a block that gets confirmed and then they move on to the next one and in a chain, like a block chain. So all it is, is decentralized, spread out. Yeah, but what is it? What's my Bitcoin? Your Bitcoin is information on that ledger. What makes it valuable? Why would I want that? I think it goes back to, well, a couple of reasons. One is that it would be, it's incorruptible money. So to your thing about fixed, first of all, fixed supply, completely transparent. So anything that happens on the blockchain can be seen. Nobody sees what happens behind the Fed's closed doors. Yeah. Um, but there's also, and this is where I'll admit, I start to get out of my depth with the mining thing. Um, but you, you know, money is printed. Where do Bitcoins come from? Are they just sitting there waiting to be claimed or what? This is where I'm going to get out of my depth. But Bitcoins are mined, which I think is um, people designating their computational power and energy. They're running their computers. Running their computers to... Solve math problems. Solve math problems by brute force, essentially, which takes a long time or like takes a lot of combined hash power. So you've got network participants from all over the world trying to solve this particular block. You mean, here's a, a, this isn't, I don't, I don't think this is what's going on, but it's something similar. Uh, there's a running competition uh, to find the next largest prime number. Oh yeah. That's yeah. always happening. Yep. Uh, and there's this guy, <coughs> some wacky professor out there who has um, 
the software running to try to find the next highest prime number because who knows it's yeah. some super big thing right now and he uh i think he might have gotten in trouble or no it was some student got in trouble because he had put this script on all of the school's computers to oh, try he to was using them all yeah to try to run and solve this problem but it's like a collective thing that everyone's trying to um fight over kind of to who's going to be the first one who gets the next prime number there's a list of people on their website you can find math geeks apparently really like that yeah, yeah here's something i think in this case though everyone's working together to solve the math problems yeah so that's they... a little bit of a difference but yeah once the solution is found then the miners receive a reward from like just the inner workings of what the blockchain is no one owns it Right. This um, figure, Satoshi, that invented it, he's not doling out Bitcoins. No, no, he's no. Yeah. No, he's not. New Bitcoins are added to the ledger and are awarded to the different wallets yep. of the people that helped mine it. Yeah. That's my understanding. That's yeah. a pretty good explanation. Mm -hmm. So, and, and also somehow that activity of the mining secures the network. That's what, that's what keeps it, that they're all agreeing on, yes, that's. The, the information contained in that yes, particular yes. block. I think, I think I've made sense there. <laughs> and what's, what's cool about, well, it's important to bring up because back to the to physical gold, part of what made it valuable, it's maybe a derivative property of its scarcity. Yeah. But the reason it's super hard to find is because it's just buried deep underground. Yeah, you got It's not a seashell laying on the beach. You got a whole earth. Yeah, go find it. Yeah. And so that's part of what's bringing Bitcoin its value in addition to these other features of it. Like it's, uh, now I'm going to use a new word, deflationary. Yep. The fact that it's a finite amount, it can only be 21 million, whereas yep. there's who knows how many trillions of US dollars, yep. and there could just be being more and more and more. You gave your example of the Mona Lisa story that shows how increasing supply um, will inf artificially inflate the number, mm -hmm. but the value didn't really go up. So your purchasing power goes down. Yeah. Every dollar you then have is less valuable so i just I now with bitcoin though because there's a capped amount now uh the reverse effect happens yeah. that each individual bitcoin that you have and by the way if you had one bitcoin it'd be about sixty-five thousand dollars worth which is pretty sweet yeah uh each one of those is only going to go up in value as just uh wealth creation occurs yeah. as it does and has as it has in the history of the world at one point there was not a city called Washington, D.C., and now there is. Like, yeah. wealth has been created in the world. Yeah. Um, or you, your house at one point didn't exist, and now it does. People worked and did labor, and wealth was created. Value was created. And eventually that gets represented in the money supply uh, to the point where with U.S. dollars, unfortunately, more are made, so it gets less valuable. Bitcoin, my individual Bitcoin will be worth more and more just as the world spins. Ye and over time... Uh, wallets and keys will be lost um, and there will be less total Bitcoin in circulation, mm -hmm. um, which causes it to be deflationary as well. It's interesting. It's interesting. That's got to be a pretty marginal effect on the system though, right? Like it would take a while for uh, that enough to time. feel that. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It'd take a while to feel it. It's interesting to see um, there's charts out there that show the just the weakening of the US dollar versus Bitcoin. Like that's one way to think about it. You could think, oh, Bitcoin's price shot up to 65,000. That's one way to think about it. Another way is like, oh, your dollars have become so uh, debased 
that now it takes 65,000 of them to buy one Bitcoin. Um, and as the money supply increases, that will, that will continue. So again, I just want, I don't want to freak everyone out, but yeah. I do want you to grasp this, that this is, this is beyond your control. You're operating in dollars if you live here in the US and completely beyond your control, the value of that dollar can be debased at will. Um, Here's what I found. Like, there's this. Uh, he's he's a little bit of a mad scientist kind of guy. This figure, uh, Michael Saylor. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, he's probably the world's foremost Bitcoin enthusiast. Slash shill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he has this really clever, interesting way of thinking about it. I'm, I don't know if it's unique to him, but um, just to kind of get it in the everyday man's language and getting back to the what is money question. Uh, I I go to my job and I do work like I produce in the world and I expend energy yep. in hopes that and hopefully there's a contract with you and your employer that they will give you energy back in the form of dollars. Yeah. So like instead of me and this is what's so cool about not being a subsistence farmer is that I don't have to make my own shoes. I don't have to make my own pants. I don't yeah. have to make my own computers. <clears throat> Other people do that. We're in a market economy. So when I get these units of energy a dollar then instead of me making the computer, I can give it to someone and they make the computer. Yep. It's almost a note that lets me, uh, that uh, grants me access to someone else's energy. That's right. So I, I thought it was really clever to think of dollar bills as a way of storing energy. energy. storage, right. Here's another way it manifests. When I, let's say I didn't finish my sandwich from McDonald's or something, I want to save it for later. Well, food is a form of energy and it's going to go bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I could use a dollar bill and pay for a, a Tupperware container that will help preserve the energy in the sandwich. Like I, yep. and someone had to make the Tupperware. So it's like this, all of it yep. is kind of like this energy the matrix. Same yeah. You know? yep. Now the issue is... Uh, when I just have my stored ener- my stored energy, like I worked in the form of a dollar in yep. my bank account, then what really sucks to think about is when these decisions are made about stimulus checks, and we can wonder about the morality of all that. Yeah, but it's in a sense kind of like stealing, or even where this maybe this is a bridge too far, but almost like uh, enslaved labor of some kind. Like you've yeah. stolen my labor. Without my consent, in a way. Well, yeah. If you were being taxed 100%, then you would be a slave. Yes. And it's a spectrum. If you're being taxed 0%, you're entirely free. And there's a spectrum in there somewhere. But yeah, inflation through expansion of the money supply. But by them printing money, that has made my energy stores worth less energy. Yeah. But that stinks because I spent time doing energy to get that. Yeah, it sucks. I found that a helpful way of thinking yeah, about no, it. Um, that is a really helpful way. I, I want to talk so much longer about all this, dude. <laughs> I can't wrap it up in two minutes. All right. Well, let's call that part one. Yeah. As a wet your beak. You can join us for future um, Sorry, we were on recording this. on a time crunch here today, which At is... 29 minutes and we're at 27.50. <laughs> this was the wrong can of worms to open with a 29-minute window. But hopefully... I mean, th- I think that's enough to chew on. Just... The difference between inflation and deflationary types of currency. Yep. Thinking of your money as your own energy. And you want it to not Persist. leak out. Yeah. Don't put it in a sieve. Put it somewhere it's going to at least stay, if not grow. That's really mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah. You could have it accumulate. And um, there's other really cool things happening in the crypto space that I think would be worth us. I know. Web3. I want to talk about... I don't even know what that is. NFTs, so. Web3, 
I'll find out next time. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Open to Truth. Uh, if you want to support what we're doing, uh, you can subscribe to our email list. It's free. You get a weekly blog right to your inbox at opentotruth.com slash subscribe. And thanks for listening. Stay tuned for future Bitcoining. All right. We'll see you soon. Stay curious.